This is Driven By, a podcast where we explore the intersection between passion and purpose. Sitting down and having conversations with risk takers, change makers, builders, and entrepreneurs to find out what it is that drives them. Hi, I'm Lauren Anderson. I am executive director of Our Minds Matter. Amazing. Um, Lauren and I have had the pleasure of knowing each other for a long time, probably during some of our more silly years. Um, we played sports together. We went to high school together. I don't know if we went to middle school together. It's really hard for me to like backtrack that far. But I think out of like many of the people that we went to school with, um, we've noticed and seen that people have evolved into these spaces of, I think, purpose and passion and kind of the, the, the middle ground there. But for you, I, I find your story so inspiring and, um, I would love it if you could maybe take us back to helping us understand a little bit more about our minds matter for the people that don't know about it. Um, but also just how you kind of got to this incredible position that you're in today. Yeah, definitely. So I'll start with what Our Minds Matter is. Our Minds Matter is an organization. We work to empower teens to be ambassadors within their school around mental health awareness, education, and support. And ultimately, the goal is that uh, no teen dies by suicide. And this is very personal to me as I lost my brother, Josh, to suicide um, a little over 13 years ago in 2009. He was 17 at the time, um, a junior at a local high school here. He had gone to Langley, which was where Karen and I went. Yeah. And um, and then he had transferred to another school, South Lakes. But um, yeah, at the you know, he was kind of your maybe kind of typical teenage boy, if there is such a thing. Um, he played high school football and lacrosse. He um, had lots of friends. He um, had a girlfriend at the time. Um, he was dealing with some um, disciplinary issues at school that, um, you know, I think that coupled with some um, you know, um, undiagnosed perhaps depression mm -hmm. was really, you know, what he didn't, he wasn't able to see forward from there. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're outlining and, and we can dive into it a bit more if, if we feel like we need to, but I think what you're outlining and probably what you've seen in the work that you've been able to do with our minds matter, um, or even formatively, you know, it, your, your foundation was actually named after your brother prior to turning into our minds matter is something that a lot of children, children, kids, young adults deal with, um, undiagnosed mental health issues simply because we just don't know any better. And maybe we're getting to a place now and I would love to hear kind of your thoughts on, you know, how we're, how we're getting there. But I, I know I also lost my brother, um, a little bit different, um, but he had undiagnosed, um, bipolar. I mean, like it was diagnosed towards the end, but it's something that I think a lot of people just don't necessarily have the tools to, um, make those, make those decisions or understand those, those health consequences. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think one of the positive things that perhaps has come from the pandemic is we're at least talking about mental health, I think a little bit more openly, but it also is, there's a very 
wide spectrum when we talk about this umbrella term of mental health, because one, we all have mental health, right? Um, and we all can do things to improve our mental health and well-being, right? Like, and I know that you are a proponent of those things, taking care of your body and doing things proactively for your, your headspace. Um, but then we have, you know, some you know, mental health issues that you can be dealing with, whether that's depression, anxiety, and those can be at times, right, diagnosed. And then we really have mental illness, right, which is, should be very much um, equated to any type of physical illness Mm -hmm. that might require, right, treatment, medication, you know, um, ongoing support. And so I think too, it's, it's kind of, Difficult because we have such um, almost just scratching the surface type of language to yeah. discuss what even this, you know, complex issue of the term mental health really, really is. Right. Um, I want to I, I want to go back to the storytelling that you were providing around um, kind of how you got into the position that you did today. Obviously, it's a personal um you know, topic for you. I think a lot of people that have experienced loss or a lot of people that have, um, had to overcome family trauma don't always have the capacity to do what you've done. So could you maybe help the listeners or people that are tuning in just to have a better understanding as to what, what it took for you to get to where you are today? What kind of resiliency you had to experience the focus, the, the drive. Yeah. So at the time that Josh died, um, I was a senior in college um, and it was spring of my senior year. So um, for those that have been here, you can imagine it was quite the kind of opposite um you know, event that, that was going on that we were planning for graduation parties and beach week and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And then, um, you know, I, I had to go home to attend the funeral of, of my brother. So it was, it was an interesting time, um, you know, dealing with, I think me, my personality is to kind of push through mm-hmm. and I remember at that time, which sounds almost really selfish now, but that I still wanted to like partake in those things and, um, you know, have a good graduation experience with my friends and all that. Um, and, you know, but, but I think ultimately I really pushed aside a lot of the grief and even kind of addressing, Mm -hmm. um, what had happened. Um, I think part of that was my almost mind's way as well of kind of protecting me and like keeping me safe in that time because it was so hard to really comprehend what had happened. Um, fast forward six months after I graduated or six months after his death, I had moved to a new city, started a new job. Um, and then my life kind of became more mundane and the day to day happened. And that's really when I started experiencing my own, um, severe anxiety, um, you know, really PTSD kind of symptoms. Um, and I had never 
gone to therapy um, before, but I, um, you know, started um, just to start to kind of process what had happened these past, you know, six months. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, I think that was the start of a very long journey that, you know, I'm honestly still on today. Um, and, you know, I, I ended up staying it. I was in Atlanta um, doing investment banking um, for a couple of years and, you know, trying to, I think, keep myself together as best I could. Um, and ultimately, after two years, decided it was best to move back to this area, mm-hmm. back with, you know, family, and also to really have time um, to just focus on myself and getting myself um, to a good place mm-hmm. because I wasn't really able to do that with the demands of the job that I had. Um, so honestly, it was kind of by accident that I fell into this place of, you know, coming back to the area, the main priority was to focus on myself and my well-being and healing. But then it was kind of maybe I can use some of my, you know, business skills Mm -hmm. or whatnot to see what we, we had started to raise money with these, you know, runs that we did every year. And so we had a little bit of money and really we wanted to bring something to the local community and impact local teens. Um, and so, you know, it kind of became, um, my focus a a little bit to see, you know, okay, let's see the lay of the land. What's out there in terms of programs that are impacting teens, what's out there in terms of, you know, starting the conversation around mental health Mm -hmm. amongst teens. Um, and, and that's really kind of, you know, the start of, of what, then became Josh Anderson Foundation and then morphed into Our Minds Matter. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've shared in some ways is all part of your healing, like your personal healing, your personal uh, willingness to address your grief. I mean, it's not an easy thing to say, I've experienced this traumatic event and now I'm just going to handle my grief like immediately. That's not normal. Like, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. I think a lot of people, when they see somebody go through something traumatic, especially the loss of a sibling or a family member, they immediately think that your journey to handling your grief like kicks in from the beginning. And the reality is sometimes it does take six months, a year to, to get to that point, two years, three years. Um, how, important do you think it was for you to start this foundation to cater to your healing? I mean, how do you think the two, do you see a place now looking back at it and saying, okay, this was a massive, this is helping me heal, or this is helping me feel more grounded in what I'm, what I've experienced? I think definitely. Um, I think that because again, of, of my nature of being kind of, you know, I want pushing through, wanting to do something, being active, active is kind of how I would describe myself as opposed to passive or kind of falling back. I would Um, agree with that. (laughs) So I think that I was able to fuel that energy into this work. And I mean, ultimately, and it, you know, kind of sometimes has its consequences because I'm so passionate that I can, um, you know, kind of err on overworking and, and being overly, um, you know, really, uh, tuned into everything with the organization. But, um, 
I mean, I, I also have had to learn about integration because mm-hmm. I think I can all also compartmentalize. So I can be this, you know, executive director of the organization and speak about even about losing my brother in a very um, kind of packaged way um, that speaks to the work that the organization does. And at the same time, I'm a sister who lost my brother. And I think that that's ultimately one of the things that, you know, once the foundation got going, I was at a better place just with my own healing. Mm -hmm. Then it was, how can I integrate these two? And they don't have to be mutually exclusive um, from one another. And I don't have to, you know, only kind of be the sister when I... I'm in my own therapy sessions um, and I can bring some of that, you know, together. But I think that that's still kind of the part of the journey that I'm, that I'm on today. Mm -hmm. We can take a pause on this for just a second. I'm really curious um, as you reflect back to like when you were little Lauren, like baby Lauren, and you were starting to formulate in your mind, like what I want to be when I grow up, what was that? So I wanted to be an actress. Okay. Because I very much was a performer. Um, we have these home videos from growing up and, um, we would send videos anytime we moved of our new house. We would send them to my grandparents mm-hmm. and I was the Vanna White of the, you know, the video I love that. showing all the rooms, getting in the wet. You know, my dad would be behind the camera like, okay, Lauren, like move. <laughs> um, so that was my personality. I think my parents always kind of joked that I should be a lawyer because I was always trying to kind of maneuver my way. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's what, that's what I, I wanted. And it's, it's interesting and in whether, you know, but I think this is part of my story as well. It is interesting how an event that what I experienced, I think I've also changed as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, I think growing up from that young age to, you know, when Josh died, I was more of that kind of extroverted, wanted to be in the action, um, maybe was always kind of surrounded by people. And I think because of what I went through, I feel just a little bit more vulnerable. I think always I had this like no fear mm-hmm. attitude. And I think because I experienced something that taught me at a young age that that almost could be taken away at any time, I um, I would, you know, describe myself now as a little bit more of like an observer and, um, not so much kind of in the middle of the action. So it's, it also is interesting just how I have changed, um, because of my experience. experience. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because I also have seen you like, hold the audience, like hold an audience and, and stand up in front of people and speak maybe in some capacity to the integration that you just mentioned with compartmentalizing some of the experiences you've had, but also, um, approaching things as a sister and then also becoming a voice that is able to elevate, um, young people to be able to have a platform to be able to enable and help other people. I mean, I've seen you, I don't want to say act because that's not the right word, but I've seen you also, um, 
have that space and, and, and do it very well. Right. And I've, you know, there's like, when you say what you just said, I also understand what you're saying because I also, now I never used to like get emotional while, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm like little tears are like scooping up in my eyes. And I think it's just when you experience something that you don't feel like a lot of other people really experience, you do kind of step into life with a complete level of vulnerability that is just different. Um, and it's funny because a little context for anybody listening, it's like you and I probably didn't see each other for a good portion of time because I went to school in Arizona. You were, you know, out here on this, this coast. Right? I went to UVA, UVA and then I lived in Atlanta. Lived yeah. in Atlanta. Great. So, I mean, we, you were on the East coast. I was out. I mean, we didn't see each other for a period of time and you know, everything happened. And I, I remember reading about it, hearing about it, obviously, um, you know, try to make myself available when uh, you were hosting events and so forth. But I mean, that is a massive pivotal moment, right? It's a, it's a huge change. And like, I'm still sitting here and just like in awe of everything that you've been able to accomplish as it relates to not just becoming more in tune with yourself and kind of grounding yourself in your experience, but also being able to do something with some of that energy that you've talked about, like that desire to push through or the desire to kind of do something about it. And I kind of think that's an eldest thing too. Like when you're the older of siblings, like you want to do something to, to kind of make change or help support your family or whatever the case may be. But um, it's interesting to hear you reflect on it because I do see, I see a little bit of that, what Lauren wanted to do when she grew up and also acknowledge, you know, kind of how you have evolved and changed at the same way. So, um, yeah, I always think that's an interesting question because it's funny to see how people kind of evolve and change, but you're kind of acknowledging your own change. You've done a lot of work on yourself in, in terms of, um, therapy. You've also taken time to understand, I think just general health and wellness for yourself. Um, and I think what I'm most impressed about is how you look to incorporate all the different learnings and all the different facets of who you are into our minds matter and the brand and kind of what you're doing for the children that, and I say children, but young adults that you're kind of, um, you're working with and inspiring. Can you talk a little bit about some of the programming, some of the initiatives, um, you know, where you all have seen success, where you're still experiencing some growth? Yeah, definitely. So I'll reference that, you know, wide spectrum that I mentioned at the beginning, because I think it's important to state kind of where our organization falls as a really upstream prevention program. So, um, Really, what we do is empower teens to, um, you know, have a club at their school, involve their peers, run small group discussions, as well as school wide activities that help to promote help seeking behavior. So that's just even the awareness of resources that are available to them, reducing stigma around mental health, having it a little bit more mainstream, normalized, um, uh, improving uh, healthy behaviors and coping skills. So I think that that speaks a lot to what I've, you know, uh, personally have had to really buffer in my own life and have taken to yoga and mindfulness to really kind of flex that muscle, um, pro-social behavior. So this is the ability to recognize signs and symptoms in peers and be able to be a bridge to support. Um, so these are all upstream, you know, protective factors that really, oh, and the last one, social connectedness. Sure. So that's a big one. That's how can we be connected amongst one another 
to have that feeling of belongingness and support with one another. And I almost have a caveat to that as like authentic connection, Mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, um, right now, right, you can be so, you know, so to speak, very socially connected to a lot of people, but you know, how, how deep is it? And, and a lot of what's built into, um, club activities is kind of going a little bit below the surface. And some of the icebreaker activities is allowing, you know, students to kind of let go of the image that Mm -hmm. they might be walking into school every day or the face that they're putting on to everyone and just be who they are and feel a, you know, have a sense of safety to do that. Um, and so, yeah, th- those are the the skills that we're looking to build in teens that are a part of the club, but then also, you know, the school, the student body that's participating in these school-wide activities and campaigns. Sure. How, um, how important do you think it is to what it is that you all do to have student-led organizations? I, I mean, if you reflect back on when we were kids, it's like everything was done by an adult. Right. Exactly. And it was like, well, and how like impactful was it? I don't know. You're like, oh, that teacher's kind of cool. So like maybe it's fine. Right. But, right. I mean, and then how do we, how do you inspire these students to kind of step up into these spaces and what has been your experience in meeting with some of these people? Right. Well, I will say, I feel like the work that we do, we actually are able to connect with some of the most impressive, um, ambitious, but also really, um, you know, self-knowledgeable. And so we, we kind of get to see like the, the most amazing, um, young people, but, um, I think it's so important to have, you know, our organization, one of our pillars values is student centric, mm-hmm. um, that the students are really informing the program. Um, because I think that, you know, teens, they're, they are so impacted by their peers, right? They are, the message is going to be that much more meaningful, um, when it's coming from their peers and Mm -hmm. their friends. And so if, if we can, as an organization, it just kind of provide a platform, provide the tools, provide, um, the resources for these teens to, you know, take their, and they have a lot of energy behind this. I think that that's one thing as well that I say kind of our generation and above, we're going to be kind of following the younger folks when it comes to even kind of mental health. They're already, you know, like, yeah, mental health, let's talk about it. Like, why does no one else talk about it? And so they are ahead and it's almost like we have to catch up, but that's why, um, you know, honestly, it's us just providing a platform and the students are ready, willing, want to be leaders, want to make a difference within their school community, have been asking for this type of space. Um, So that's ultimately what we see a lot of from students. Is it coming from students that have experienced their own mental health concerns or have experienced their own, um, need for resiliency or is it people that have, in your opinion, is it students that have experienced loss that want to step up and do something? I mean, what, what is the driving force for so many of these, these young people? Cause I, I think you're right. I mean, the reality is, is that I'm seeing, I'm seeing less and less taboo topics like for young people. And I think it's incredible. Um, we've, for as a society needed this for so long to talk about 
everything, um, versus like letting things hide in the shadows. Um, but what is it that's kind of like inspiring these students in your opinion? Yeah. So I think that we definitely see a mix, but a lot of what comes through are students that have experienced their own mental health issues, um, have worked through them, Mm -hmm. you know, and are kind of working through them. And then from that place, kind of a more stable place, they want to really do that for their peers or at least kind of support their peers um, for, for their journey. And so it does very much come from a personal place um, or, and we see this a lot, you know, just teens in general seeing that this is an issue that's affecting so many of their friends and that is such a, you know, an issue that's not being kind of, um, you know, faced head head on and they want to do something about it. And um, yeah, again, we, we kind of interact with the most incredible, um, students. Yeah. I mean, I was very impressed at the uh, event that I, the most recent event that I had attended, um, just to hear one of the students get up and speak about her experience. And, you know, I was very moved, obviously very emotional these days, but, um, also just, to, like, I was thinking back to like you and I, like as we, when we were kidding, like all our friends that were all at this event and I was just like, wow, like life has changed so dramatically. Like we've, we're just seeing such a level of like activism coming from these young people. And it's so, so incredibly impressive. Um, one of the things that I, I recognize as we have these conversations or that as I've, I've talked to you about this in the past is like, we focus so much on teen, teen, teen. And I wonder, um, in your experience based off the research and so forth, that you've done, are we getting to young people early enough? I think that that is a question that we are going to be addressing in the, I mean, we already are, um, but in the nearer and nearer term, because what we're seeing even with some of the statistics, generally, it's like the, you know, 13 to 24 age group or whatever, that's actually 11 to 24, I think, is the the range that's talked about for kind of young adults, teens, young adults. Um, and what we're seeing is that like, 11 to 13 mm-hmm. age group is actually like dramatically increasing when it comes to the the uh, rate of suicide. So, I mean, we're we need to start having these conversations younger and younger um, and in ways that are age appropriate. Sure. Right. Um, and but I think just starting that language of um, it's OK to feel certain. I mean, I, I have friends now that have young kids and I think I you know, some of them are really tuned in to how they're talking about feelings and even feelings that are quote unquote labeled bad, like showing, you know, anger, frustration. And actually it's, it's, we need to start teaching young kids that it's okay to feel those ways, you know, to feel those ways, you know, maybe the behavior isn't okay. right? Right. But it's okay to feel those things because I think that, um, you know, perhaps generations grew up of kind of, you know, stop crying, stop yelling, you know, all of that. And then it teaches people that it's not okay to feel those things. So that's just, I think, some positive that's coming through, um, you know, through kind of child psychology and all of that. But in terms of just having a space to talk about mental health and to talk about, you know, when you're just not feeling okay, or you're not feeling yourself, that's a 
lot of, I think, some of the language that younger people will say Mm -hmm. um, is that they're just not feeling themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that that was even the way I think I described it when I initially was having, you know, that bout of anxiety. Um, And I think that we should pay attention to that. because that's kind of a, an initial way of perhaps describing that, that you're just feeling, you know, different inside and, right. and we need to start addressing it. Yeah. I want to um, transition a little bit to just your experience of being, you know, this kind of leader for this organization and today. Um, at some point you went from this being a foundation that you had set up for your brother uh, to honor him, but to also enable other other folks um, to kind of avoid feeling the the void that you had felt, and you were still working like un- a normal job, like you were still doing um, more than likely what you had gone to school for. What was it that kind of triggered or became this aha moment for you to say, "I need to like put my eggs in this basket"? Do you remember what kind of happened in order to inspire you to be? in that position and to, to take that leap? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there were actually a lot of decisions that, um, led to the point where, you know, it was a full blown kind of foundation. And then, you know, was this really going to be a livelihood? Um, and there were all, and I talk about this with other, you know, founders of organizations, um, where, it's always this like chicken before the egg kind of, or cart before the horse decisions of, I remember even there was a point where it was, are we even going to pursue like our 501c3 status because we were ultimately under like another, you know, 501c3. And I was getting advice, like it's, it's a lot of work to do that. Um, so maybe not, but then if we didn't do that, we would never know what we could really achieve in being our own organization, being able to fundraise that kind of thing. And I think it took probably my like can do attitude, but also also where I was in life, I was in my early twenties and, you know, I am very fortunate to, you know, have, I was, you know, had the support of my parents who were here in the area and, you know, definitely have privilege that I, that I should state there. But I, I felt like, you know, I had kind of had nothing to lose in yeah. terms of there were multiple decisions like that where it was like, let's just go for it. Sure. Let's just go for it and see what happens. And, you know, again, at that point, I didn't have like a family to take care of and, you know, really see what these decisions are, how these decisions are going to have a bigger effect. But um, and I think that that ultimately does translate to even today of, I think there are still decision points where it's okay, well, we, you know, could be more conservative and and hold back. But I think a lot of the times I feel like, why not just try if this is going to potentially allow us to reach more schools, more students, you know, let, let's go for it. And, um, 
you know, that's a little bit of the, the energy I, I like to bring mm-hmm. <laughs> to the organization. I think I also have, like, it helps that I am grounded in, like, I was a finance major in college. And Definitely so I'm helps. grounded yeah. in that. Um, and so I, I do bring like practicality and, and all of that to decisions as well. Um, but I also, I think have, have a air of, you know, let's go for it and see what happens. Sure. I love that. Um, as you're sort of looking at your, your trip, like how you've gotten to where you are today. Um, and even as you look ahead and I know this last few years have been probably incredibly impactful for what it is that you all are, are looking to accomplish and, and the goals and programming and so forth that you're kind of putting out. Cause like these last few years have had to have been incredibly difficult for young people. I mean, they've been incredibly difficult for full grown adults from mental health perspective, but as you're kind of thinking about, um, where you've been and where you're going, what are some of the challenges that you have experienced and that you foresee yourself stepping into? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a little bit of what I was just referencing, we're at this, I would say we're kind of in this adolescent growth stage as an organization. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the kind of decisions that we make, we have to be very, you know, smart about. We don't want to kind of grow too fast and then not have the capacity and resources to um, be able to support the growth. Um, and so I think it's, you know, having that, um, uh, you know, ambitious kind of goals in mind, but then also taking things, you know, day by day and having more kind of, um, you know, a, a timeline kind of broken out as well. And that's where I think like the practical nature comes into play. So I don't know if that quite answers your question. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of, and I, this is what you were describing, like the, <laughs> there's such a need for the program that we have that sure. there could be a way of, okay, let's just try to bring this to every high school in America and just go and just do it right now. Mm-hmm. And there's, part of me or the, you know, our organization that, that wants to do that. And it's how are we being smart about this? How are we making sure that we're implementing and, you know, have data that backs it up? And, and so I think we're kind of balancing both, right. Being ambitious, but also making sure that we're doing it right and, um, and smart. Yeah. This is like, it's it's such an important topic. And I feel like we could probably talk about this for much longer than what we're probably going to sit in here and do, which, um, leads me to encourage people, you know, to, to do their own research and to look into this further. But I'm curious, as you're saying, how do we get this into every school in America? How do we get beyond what is that system? And what is that, what is that experience like to approach a new school system and to say, this is the program. This is what we've done. This is why you all need us. And what is the level of resistance or the level of acceptance that you experience? Right. Yeah. So we have, um, we do have partnerships with some of the large public school systems here in the DC metro area, Fairfax County public schools, Montgomery County public schools, and most recently DC public schools. And I think from that experience, what I can say is, um, one, it's it's building a relationship with the school system um, and acknowledging and seeing all the initiatives that they 
are already doing around mental health because we also are just one piece of the sure. complex puzzle. Um, I think we're a very strong piece that speaks to that peer-to-peer, um, it coming from teens themselves, teens being the ambassadors behind the messaging. But that also is just, you know, one piece of it. So um, I think it's recognizing that and not, you know, going into a meeting with the, you know, head director of a, of a school system and saying, you know, you need our program more than any other um, initiative per se, right? Because we're we're not even staffed up when it comes to school sure. psychologists, school social workers in schools. So there's a lot that can be done. But I think what what has been what has worked is, you know, sharing the benefit of our unique approach mm-hmm. um, and that it is quite kind of low hanging fruit, really accessible um, in in other words, it's not like they have to you know staff up in any way. Um, it's it's utilizing students that are within right. their school and we work to just empower them. There, There is a staff component of staff oversight, but that likely kind of our program is fulfilling something that 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 person, whether it's the school psychologist, social worker, counselor, is wanting to do anyway. So by having a a platform, the content, you know, kind of really packaged well together, they're often very um, appreciative (laughs) that we're offering them this program versus them kind of having the idea to do something around this and and just not having a blueprint of how to do it. Execute. So you're essentially leveraging resources that they already have in their in their schools. Correct. Cool. I, um, I asked you before we sat down and I asked everybody this, um, what drives you and your response back to me was responsibility. When you think of that word and you think about it in relation to who you have become, what does it all mean to you? Yeah. I remember in your, when you asked that question, (laughs) you know, um, coming to speak on this podcast. Um, and it was a little bit difficult at first to really kind of narrow down into one word. Um, but I think what it means to me is, um, I'm in a unique, I'm in a unique circumstance of having gone through this terrible tragedy of losing, you know, my brother Josh to suicide. I also have personally experienced significant mental health issues myself, right? So I know what it what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that, as well as, you know, some of my other kind of hard skills or, you know, what I went to school for, it it just it feels like I must use the all of this um to do to do something with it i'm you know i i just feel kind of a responsibility that i given everything that i've experienced and where i am today i just don't see myself doing anything else mm-hmm. and if i can you know through the organization through my own i don't know storytelling um 
help another person feel like they can talk about this, that they can seek help, that they're not alone, that they can get better, that they can live a, you know, a fulfilling life, then um, I think it's, it is my responsibility to do that. Yeah. I mean, when you um, answered it with responsibility, I immediately was like, huh, Yes, this is her intersection between passion and purpose. And as I've heard you share everything that you've shared today with regards to how you view yourself from a get things done kind of persona, but also from the space of, you know, shared experience or trauma or, you know, having held space for you to heal yourself personally, while also contributing to the resiliency of others. I mean, it's a perfect word. So I really appreciate you taking time to kind of talk through that. Um, the last question I'll ask you is as you are chatting with other founders or as you're interacting with other people, um, or just as if anybody random were to come up to you and say, can you give me one piece of advice, um, based off of your experience, what would that piece of advice be? I think what I would say is um, don't be afraid to be yourself and speak your truth and be authentic. Um, I think that, you know, there's so much um, fear around, well, what are people going to think of me? Or, you know, I'm the only person that feels this way or thinks this way. And, you know, we just know that that's not true, that that's, it's likely, there's likely so many other people that are experiencing that. But if we all walk through life with this kind of facade of what's really going on, then we're all going to continue to just feel alone. (laughs) And so the more that we can perhaps have some, you know, just bringing our true selves, um, bringing authenticity to the table. I think that, um, we'll just have more, more connection, which is what we ultimately need. I love that. Oh, I so enjoy speaking with you. And I think it's, um, probably cause you know, I, I, I love that you are so rooted in what you're doing and I'm also so inspired by you. Um, if people want to learn more about our minds matter, learn more about you, learn more about how they can get involved, where can they find information? How can they get in touch and what can they do to support you? Yeah. So check out our website, ourmindsmatter.org. You can find us on Instagram at our.minds.matter. And if you're in the DC area, we often have events um, that you can, you know, attend, uh, donate to, you know, sponsor. Um, We're always looking for, you know, ways to involve the community um, in our efforts to resource our organization to then be able to, you know, deploy our program to reach more schools, more students. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for taking time to sit down and share your story and uh, to help further educate folks on all the amazing work you're doing. Thank you, Karen. No problem. All right. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, give us a follow on Instagram, driven by underscore blank. 
share it with your friends, pass along the good word, and for the love of God, continue to acknowledge your passions, let love be your guide, and always walk in purpose. Until next time, I'm Karen, and this has been a conversation about the intersection between passion and purpose.